Our time together for the next 19 minutes or so is defined to be a Bible study together, so please do keep your worship folders out. Please also keep a, a finger in that page where you also have the lesson from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, where we read, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. We'll just call her Tabitha from now on. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. The word of the Lord. It truly never crossed my mind when I was writing my father's obituary how many times those words would come up in the conversation during the days surrounding his funeral. Writing it had been an assigned task by my father, and I had invited him to also participate while he was alive and sharing with me facts that he thought would be good to be presented there. Quite a few people wanted to talk to me about his obituary, and many thanked me for encapsulating the man that they knew and what he had made his life about. Some even suggested that that brief article could be the bones of a biography. And a couple of them asked me if I had ever thought about setting about that particular task. And I answered honestly, that obituaries usually include all the good stuff, while biographies require pretty much the sharing of things that most people would not want others to know about them. My father, some of his siblings, and other members of that side of the family from his generation over the years had shared things with me in confidence that I knew they never had any intention of the rest of the world knowing about them their upbringing, their family, life, and so on. I don't think it would have been fair to write a biography of any of them without giving away some things they really wouldn't want the world to know. So maybe telling the story of most lives is best left to the positive brevity of an obituary. Tabitha was writing her obituary long before any words were printed in a newspaper or on a nursing home website or read during the course of a funeral. It was written in the actions and the attitudes of the one who died and verified by all the lives that she touched. And so that obituary 
was really written word by word and act by act over her whole lifetime. Looking back at the verses that are in front of us, how would you see that obituary reading? What would it have to say? Well, first of all, it would say in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha and that she was always doing good and helping the poor. And then later it would say that the widows stood around Peter crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Tabitha had made while she was still with them. Tabitha is described very simply in the scriptures as a disciple. She does not appear to have ever held any glorious position in her congregation or in her surrounding church body or in the community in which she lived. But it is clear that she loved her Savior and showed that love often in how she loved the people around her. You see, that phrase, she was always doing good, could actually also very literally be translated, she was full of good works. Because she loved Jesus, she was always loving others, the people that are around her. And as a result, the people were always loving her. So when Tabitha died, very suddenly and unexpectedly, that very tragic news spread quickly. And hearing that news, Pastor Peter immediately made his way to Joppa to be with this family of believers that had lost someone dear. And when he arrived, Tabitha's obituary, or her eulogy, if you prefer, was presented to Peter openly and eloquently, quite literally pushed in his face. He saw the robes, the scarves, the hats, all the undergarments that had been made by this woman and given away by the one who had passed away. It was almost a beautiful funeral. Of course, Peter and the Lord of the church had other plans in this moment. Peter did what he had seen Jesus do all those years earlier at the house of a man named Jairus who had a little daughter who had died Jairus had come to to find Jesus and ask him to come to his home. And when Jesus arrived there, he was laughed at by the mourners for saying that that young lady was only asleep. Do you remember from that portion of the gospel the words that Jesus spoke in the original language to wake that little girl up? The Aramaic was Talitha kum. In the Greek, the Tabitha Arise sounds very similar. Do you suppose Peter had that occasion on his mind as he followed that pattern? Do you suppose Peter had in his mind all those occasions throughout Scripture where the prophets, up through the time of Jesus himself, on numerous occasions had been given the right through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit to ask for someone who was clearly dead to be made alive again? That's the historic pattern that Peter follows in these verses. As he says, Tabitha, get up. Moved by everything he had been shown and told about Tabitha, knowing how vital and invested she was in her community and her 
family of believers. Peter followed that historic pattern and his prayers were answered in a most powerful way. The funeral that almost was no longer needed to happen. And do you think Tabitha, having experienced all of this and having heard of everything that had happened while she was not here, pretty quickly went back to her life of service to others, her generosity, her effort, her investment in her community? Did all of this inspire others to urgency in their selfless service? One trick that the devil will use often and he succeeds in pulling off in many of our lives, is to get someone to think that it is best to put off serving anyone else, including God, generously until everything in life is lined up just right. So how, how sad for you and me if we lose that battle to the devil too, and perhaps a line in our obituary might read, He always planned on helping the poor once he knew he had enough for himself. She always had every intention of getting involved in a ministry and serving her Savior at her church or through a community group once things had settled down in her life. He wanted to, and he would have, been concerned with the problems in other people's lives, but he had to work through all his own issues first. She always had a plan to start giving a proportionate amount back to the Lord in offerings once she had established her baseline financial goals in her life plan. Our lesson from Acts chapter 9 gives us a number of reasons why Christians will not want to put off a life of generosity. So scan back over those verses for a moment, printed in the worship folder. Can you and I harvest a list of some of the reasons offered in these verses? I'll give you a moment to start looking at those verses. I'll point you first to the first half of verse 36. The first half of verse 36 presents Tabitha as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, who loved her and gave himself for her. And this is clearly the primary reason for the generosity of her life. So move to the second half of verse 36 then. It mentions there her always doing good and helping the poor. As someone blessed by God more richly than anyone that lived at that time. In our moment on earth, just think of how many people to whom you and I can be a blessing when they need our help today, tomorrow, whenever that reality exposes itself. Move to verse 39. Read the second half of verse 39 again to yourself. We read it a couple times already. 
Just think of the impact each one of us can also have on our fellow Christians by our example, and then how that ripples out from our family of believers into the community beyond. And when you and I read verse 40 again, How can we not think about being generous with our lives and our service? Knowing how the powerful God who serves us every day can and will resupply every last thing that we may give away. Even our life and our breath is something he can give back to us if he chooses. And yet we know we will all see and experience the reality of resurrection one day. When verse 42 reveals the outcome of the funeral that almost was, you and I can have no doubt that the purpose of God's miracles is the very same purpose that he has for each and every one of our good works, our generous good works. And that purpose is the confirming of the message of forgiveness and salvation for those around us in the world who may not either know it at all or not know it as deeply as you and I know it. So many places in the Gospels, Jesus makes it clear that there's a direct relationship between our knowing and hoping and trusting and living our light in the world, the Gospel truth in our lives, through our actions, through our generosity, through our helping of others as the way that others will be led to hear and know the word, the the promises that make the difference in our life, the eternal difference in our life, and the trusting of God for forgiveness and salvation that's going to be a beacon to the world around us that leads others to learn who God is and the reasons they also can trust him and be certain of his providing and planning and promising to them just the same as to us. So they also might give glory to their God with generous lives. So we discussed earlier Tabitha's almost obituary. She was most likely not on Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People list of the year A.D. 43. She gave a robe here. She gave a penny there. A garment here, a half a loaf of bread there. She may not have been able to give the world, but what she gave meant the world to the people who received it in their moment of need. And now these same people were the ones preaching at her sudden funeral. So apply all of this to yourself by taking a moment and thinking about What would you want your obituary or the eulogy spoken about you to say? I'll give you a few moments to contemplate that. It's important to remember that this doesn't have to be about big philanthropic efforts. We can give to others 
truly anything and everything that has been given to us. A famous preacher of a previous generation once said, a good character is the best tombstone. Those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you. So carve your name on human hearts and not just on marble. So let's also flip the script for a moment. Take a moment to think about your your family, or perhaps your faith family. Here's your chance to eulogize someone else that you have loved and respected. If you were asked to write an obituary or to speak a few words about that person, take your pick of anyone you choose. What robe or other clothing acts of generosity might you mention about their lives? And does their motivation prompt you to follow their Christian example? When you study Tabitha, when you think on the other people of Scripture that are presented to us as an example of Christian generosity, Hopefully when you think on the people you now have in your mind from your life, Christian generosity is never receiving recognition from others. It's never motivated by what other people are seeing and what other people are thinking of us. Rather, it is always something that grows out of thanks to a selfless Savior, Jesus Christ, for all that he has given and all that he has done. And yet, grace upon grace, we're told in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 25 that at the end of all time, Jesus will still acknowledge these acts of generosity and mercy that helped others in their lives as acts done for him. Do you remember how that is put to us? The people that Jesus credits as being generous, as sharing with him in a moment of need or visiting him when he is sick or in prison. He says, you've done that for me. And and believers will say, when, Lord, did we have this opportunity to do this for you? And he will say, when you did this for the least of the brothers and sisters of mine, you did this for me. But even knowing that doesn't move the needle in regard to the true motivation you and I have. When we understand the forgiveness, the unconditional, unwavering commitment of our God to pay for our sins, to make us right with Him, to raise His Son Jesus from the dead, to prove to us that the payment has been made and there's nothing left for us to do, there is every motivation. The same motivation Tabitha had to make our lives about serving others, to living shrewdly, to living a God-lived life. So just like our previous Sunday in this series, I urge you to take your worship folder with you today. Take it home with you as a tool to contemplate all of this a bit further. And then also, sometime today, maybe tomorrow, 
Take a good long look at the latest issue of the parish news and notes, whether you get that digitally or if it's printed out for you and recognize that the shepherd, or rather the stewardship ministry has an article throughout this series of services every single week. And that article challenges us with elements of things that match each occasion's worship theme. Take some time to prayerfully, thoughtfully, and intentionally evaluate how those commitments suggested in that article work toward the desired outcomes that we've worked through together today in this meditation. If you are like me, you would prefer to never have to go to another funeral. You would much prefer to go to almost funerals like the one we are presented with in Acts chapter 9. But I don't know anybody in this day and age that has the, the faith, the fortitude, the perspective of a Peter who is ready and able to pray so faithfully and purely that God responds by allowing someone who is dearly lost to return to life in that moment, and I doubt you do either. But every one of us does have the God-given power at our disposal every single day to shape our obituary to influence any eulogy that will be spoken about us after the Lord decides that our time on this earth has come to an end. Opportunities abound. They truly are unlimited and surround us any moment that we spend here. The bigger question we have to answer is how much time do we believe we have left to begin this good work? Tabitha? She'd likely tell us it's about time we got started. Amen. Please stand. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.